Yo, Mitch, what's up, man? It's Craig Smith, the Rhino, former NBA player and BC legend. Shout out. Shout out. What's your ones look like? No, I'm just playing. Hope you're staying well, staying safe, and staying blessed. Rhino out. Losing the ball. Smith has it. Hudson, bounce pass to Craig Smith. Puts it down. Who's afraid of that big bad wolf? Metal World Peace Pipe, what's going down? It's the big baller, baby. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to the halftime community from the big baller himself. That's right. You guys keep it right and take, keep doing your thing, because big baller brand is in the building, and you know how we gets down. But anyways, y'all do y'all thing, and we going to do our thing, because big ballers got to stick together. Again, shout out to the halftime community. That's right. Big bonus out, baby. And I holla. Welcome into a new edition of the Halftime Community Podcast. This is episode three. I thank you all for joining us. And let's get right into the news. Let's get some notes around the league. First up, we got Steph Curry, the return of the Mac in Golden State. He dropped 62 points just a couple of nights ago. And I think it's fair to say that a lot of people forgot about Steph, but he is back on the scene. I've been watching some tape on the Warriors. Don't sleep on them. They had a horrible start to the season after those first two games where they just got absolutely slaughtered. Steph Curry kind of looked old, looked like he had aged a little bit, wasn't hitting all of his shots, but he's warmed up now. That's fair to say. Draymond Green back in the fold. Andrew Wiggins kind of fitting into a role as a third scorer there. If they had Klay Thompson, of course, everybody can say this, but if they had Klay Thompson right now healthy and adding another shooter on there, I think Wiggins would be the perfect third option for them. But right now, with Draymond, Steph Curry, some solid pieces off the bench. Eric Pascal has been solid off the bench. Don't count them out. They can easily slide into the 8 or 7 seed in the Western Conference. So let's stay in the Western Conference for just a minute here. We've got the New Orleans Pelicans and Brandon Ingram really playing well for them, kind of coming into his own as a scorer, being that 28, 26-point-per-game scorer, efficient on both ends, really stepping up for them. But the main player everybody needs to talk about, everybody wants to talk about with the Pelicans, is Zion Williamson. I've been watching some Pelicans basketball over this first week. I've been dipping in and out of the Pelicans. They are an interesting team with... Um, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Jackson Hayes, and then Lonzo Ball, of course. But Zion Williamson, what do I see so far from him? Not a lot has changed. He is a force of nature. I'm not quite sure what to make of him. This is one of the most interesting players in basketball for me, just because I'm not quite sure what to make of him yet. He's a force of nature. He's always going to be a force of nature. And people are always going to say, well, if he just gets in shape and gets a jump shot, he's going to be unstoppable. I don't think he's ever going to do either of those things. What we see now from Zion Williamson, he's not out of shape. If you saw him on the street, you wouldn't be like, oh, that guy's out of shape. No, he's just giant. He's big boned. He's giant. And he's always going to be a force of nature and he's going to play that way. What's interesting to me, though, is last year when he came out in his rookie campaign, the first game, I think, against the Spurs, he came out and hit like four or five threes, something crazy like that. Nobody expected that from him. 
But this season so far, he's made exactly zero threes. He's playing primarily from five feet, 10 feet and in. He's not really handling the ball too much on the perimeter. So I'm not quite sure what to make of him yet. He's 20 points per game, eight rebounds per game. So he is producing. But if he's not going to step up on the perimeter a little bit more and he's not going to play primarily in the post, I'm just not quite sure what to make of him yet. Last story here in the Western Conference, we've got a Marvin Bagley's dad update, Coach Bagley. Is he a Coach of the Year candidate? I'm not quite sure yet, but he did create some news on Twitter requesting a trade for his son, demanding a trade for his son. Um, Did he tell his dad to do that? Did he know his dad was going to do that? Who knows? You never know with these kinds of things on social media. But what is Marvin Bagley this season? Kings fans are super frustrated. He was highly touted coming out of college, coming out of Duke, just like Zion Williamson. He was a former number one overall high school prospect. Now, keep in mind, it was kind of a weak high school class. um, So it's not like it was the most rich high school class and he was number one. But he was touted coming out of high school, kind of a do-it-all type power forward. He just hasn't been that productive in the NBA, hovering right around 12 to 14 points a game eight rebounds a game, but not really making a huge impact on the game. So if I'm Marvin Bagley's dad, uh, maybe I do need a change of scenery here. That might be best case scenario, not only for the Kings, but for Marvin Bagley as well. Let's take a trip to the Eastern Conference right now. We've got the Philadelphia 76ers, the most impressive overall team in the league right now. Even though they're not getting all the headlines, they have been the most impressive to me. That coaching swap, Brett Brown for Doc Rivers, that has done them wonders so far. Also having Joel Embiid healthy and Ben Simmons healthy at the same time, along with Tobias Harris playing out of his mind right now. He's probably, this is probably peak Tobias Harris that we're seeing right now. Efficient score, borderline all-star. He's not being asked to do too much. He's right in the role he needs to be. Another move that was key for the Sixers in the offseason They swapped out Josh Richardson, who was kind of the 3 and D hope they had. They thought he could space the floor with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. For whatever reason, it just didn't work out last season. Maybe it was rotations. Maybe it was coaching staff. It could be a number of things. Change of scenery he just needed from Miami to Philadelphia didn't work out. For whatever reason, it didn't work out. So they brought in Steph Curry's younger brother, Seth Curry, in the offseason. He's been huge for them. He's not going to have the most impressive, you know, 40 points scoring nights or, you know, 35 points on 10 threes made scoring nights. He's just going to be consistent. He's going to give them that shooting threat that the Philadelphia 76ers really need in the offseason. So you've got Joel Embiid, top 15 player in the NBA, no doubt. Ben Simmons, probably right around there, top 15 NBA player overall right now. You've got those two stars. You've got Tobias Harris playing well. You've got Seth Curry playing well. The Sixers look like a real contender to come out of the East. Last up in the Eastern Conference, I got to talk about the Knicks, the New York basketball Knicks, the New York Knicks. The league is always going to be better when the Knicks are good. I just believe that. Knicks fans are crazy in a good way, I think, for the league. They've been tortured for a while now, tortured fan base. They had a little glimpse of light with Amare and Carmelo making the Eastern Conference Finals one year. But then it all kind of fell apart after that. Everybody remembers Lynn Sanity, how fun that was. Even though it was short-lived, didn't quite last as long as we thought it would. Jeremy Lynn wasn't the point guard of the future there. It was really fun while it lasted, and that's one of my lasting NBA memories. So let's talk about this current Knicks roster. We've got Coach Tibbs coming in. We know what Coach Tibbs is. He's a grinder. He's a tough-nosed guy. 
He's going to play his guys, the guys that are Tibbs guys, probably every minute available. So who are the Tibbs guys this year on the New York Knicks roster? I think we found that out over this recent hot stretch. They've got Julius Randle finally playing up to his potential. Coming out of Los Angeles, we knew he had the talent, but he just never quite found his role as a star, as a number one or number two guy. He has the talent, he has the skills, and now he's finally showing it. He can lead a playoff team with the scoring inside and also his rebounding and his playmaking ability. And then R.J. Barrett. This guy, just a couple weeks ago at the beginning of the season, it looked like maybe hope was lost for this guy. Not so fast. Not so fast, my friend. R.J. Barrett has been playing really well, and he's been shown to be a Tibbs guy. He's going to play 40 minutes a game, probably almost every minute that's available this season. And then we've got Alfred Payton. This guy is another guy that's up for most improved player in my mind. He kind of embodies the New York Knicks right now. He's tough nose. He's never going to be, you know, flashy outside shooter like Steph Curry type. He's just tough nose. He's always going to be that floor general that they need. Some nights he might have 20 points and 8 assists. Some nights he's only going to have 12 points and 10 assists. But you always know he's going to be that steady presence on the floor for the New York Knicks. Last up, some quick hitters from the Eastern Conference. Actually, we had Gordon Hayward drop a career-high 44 points and a win for Charlotte. Not quite sure what to make of the bottom of the Eastern Conference right now. That includes Charlotte, Cleveland, Chicago, who looked dead in the water at the beginning of the season. They've climbed back to 500, And then also the Orlando Magic. The Magic looked really strong at the beginning of the season, but Markel Fultz unfortunately suffered a season-ending injury. Hopefully he can get back. He was finally coming into his own in Orlando, but he suffered that career-ending injury. And then we also had 60 points. 60-point game from Bradley Beal. Probably the quietest 60-point game ever. Um, They kind of got curb stomped in the actual game by the 76ers. But this reminds me a lot of Devin Booker prior to Chris Paul coming into town for Phoenix this year. Bradley Beal's going to get his points. He's going to look impressive. He's one of the best shooting guards in the league. But people aren't going to talk about him a lot in the same light as other players just because the Wizards are so bad this year. It's been a bold coaching decision by Scott Brooks in Washington this year to play zero defense. Maybe they can add some cherry pick offense to the group and see how that works out. But so far, it's been horrible in Washington. I would expect Scott Brooks to be one of the first coaches fired. Beal against Embiid. Wants a clear out. Step back for the corner. Three, 60. And he's on the app. I've seen him on there a lot. Um, His username is ATL Hawks. So as you can tell, he's a Hawks fan. He's a diehard. I'm happy to have him on here. Perfect time to talk about the Hawks. Um, This whole thing, this whole era of Hawks basketball that we currently see kind of started a few years ago with Travis Schlenk coming in from the Golden State Warriors, and then he brought Trey Young in from the draft. So it was kind of that, you know, can Trey Young be the Steph Curry light for the Atlanta Hawks? So talk about that strong start they got off to. They came started off uh, 4-1, and now they're 4-3. and what is their ceiling? Um, what is their floor? How high can the Hawks really go? I, I could see them slotting in at the four if the team comes together. With um, I mean, it's surprising this early in the season to say the Hawks have been beat up all year, but I mean they've literally had four or five players out each night, so it really shows that one through twelve depth that they put together. Um, they got the three best defenders out. Yeah, I really want to see what they look like with Rondo and Dunn out there um want to see what the rookie can bring 
Um, I think floor, obviously it's Atlanta. <laughs> we could end up with the second worst record in the league. The wheels could come off, kind of like uh, we've seen the last two games. Um, been pretty upset. A lot of that on the coaching. Uh, Trey's kind of starting to do this little uh, hard and light with a bunch of ISO, and you can tell the other players that are shooters are worried they're not going to get the ball very much because Trey's going ISO. So as soon as they get the ball, they're jacking the shot up. And shot selection in the third quarter, fourth quarter of the last two games has been really bad. Um, and that's on the coaches. The coaches need to get Trey looking at Diamond up as shooters and taking his shot when it's there, not trying to go, you know, reminds me of the old Joe Johnson days with ISO Joe at the top of the key moving around. Um, there's just so many new players on the Hawks. I'm really curious to see how long it takes for everybody to find their role. Um, I mean, I, I think Boggs, I thought, would be better than he has been. I've been surprised at, you know, I thought he might even take Reddish to start at the two pretty quick, but he's kind of struggled under the system. Um, very, very happy with DeAndre Hunter. Um, I'll, I was calling out Cam Reddish is going to be the breakout sophomore, but I think Hunter's, what, 17-6, and six, and the, the second-best per on the team. I mean, he's been the Hawks' second-best player most nights this season, and it's been pretty consistent from the start of pre. So, um, you know, if he can get his numbers up just a little bit, you know, we're talking to another 20-10 and 10 kind of player that would actually justify the King's ransom we paid for him in the draft last year. So, um, yeah, the ceiling, I think, is super high for the Hawks if – they kind of get the right mindset in place where everybody was happy at 15. Um, kind of the Horford, Corver, T. Cox. You know, nobody wanted to go off for 30. Um, that's probably not the case now because we got, have an actual superstar with Trey. You know, he's going to get his points. But um, Pierce has got his work cut out for him because he's got to get the players comfortable in their system. And he's just got to get them healthy. Um you know, I really want to see Dunn. I think Dunn is the acquisition that people don't talk about enough. Um, the Hawks have been a bit soft, in my opinion, particularly on defense. He brings a whole different attitude to the perimeter. Um, and I also think uh, Herter has really surprised me. I, I always thought of him more as a six-man. I think that's been borne out that he can anchor a second unit. And he's playing really good defense. I mean, he's getting steals. Um, I think he plays a lot more confident with the rim protector. And he... You know he's got the a lot more than just a spot up shooter, which a lot of people kind of label him as. But he can take it to the rack. He can use that length. And he's and he's more athletic than people think. So um, it's a good problem to have when you got too many players and not enough minutes. So Pierce needs to stop complaining and get to work figuring out how to put all these assets to use. Yeah, it was really interesting to see the way they started, just because they had so many new players. Uh, you mentioned Bogdanovich. They brought in Clint Capella last year from the Rockets, um, added Rondo late in free agency and Chris Dunn, and then Gallinari, who's, I think it said, only played in two games so far. So it, you haven't really seen all of them, how all the pieces can fit together. But what are your initial impressions from all those guys? Um, can they be part of a championship contending team, or are you kind of waiting on one more piece? Uh I really think Rondo is huge. Uh, the difference in the second unit in the two games he played were night and day. Um, the last two games, Rondo's been out. We've been having to bring in uh, 
barely NBA level point guard with Goodwin, and the second unit has fallen apart. Uh, you know, I think Atlanta could possibly be a championship contending team, not this year. I, I, you know, first year in the playoffs, too many young players. But if Jason, you know, JC keeps improving, he's 20 and 10, if, and Hunter does what he's doing. You know, what I think is going to be the scariest thing for the Hawks is they're paying their backup starter money. They've only got one starter that's not on a rookie deal. So they're going to really break the checkbook out when it's time to pay Hunter, Reddish, Trey, JC, and then Capella or, you know, the – I still can't say his name. Okawangudu. Oh, yeah. I don't know if he's a five or a four. Um, But I absolutely think that this Atlanta unit – you know, if they can keep them together and wrestlers willing to pay and go into the tax because he's going to have to do it, um, could they could win a championship with the players they have now? Um, Reddish is at you know well, he's 13 and six so far, so that's pretty solid for a second year player. Hunter's blown up. Collins has been kind of quiet, but uh, I think that's again you know he was a clear number two. Now I don't think he knows exactly what option he is with the system and then you know you got to have one superstar and uh clearly young can you know if he's out there throwing 36 and 11 and doing his crazy dribbles and passes and, and they've got a, their first superstar since neek and i've been watching a lot of hawks games so we've had some really good players steve smith's joe johnson's but this is the first legit wow you got to see this guy play basketball player we've had since neek yeah, and you mentioned John Collins. That he's kind of next on the board for a big extension. Um, how is it frustrating as a Hawks fan? I know just as an outsider looking in, there's nights where John Collins, you know, you look at the stat sheet, look in the box score, and he's maybe got 11 and 10. And then the next night he'll have, you know, you're not surprised if you see 35 and 15 from him. He's just kind of he can do everything on the court, but it seems like sometimes he kind of disappears in the background. Do you think the Hawks should pay up and give him a max extension if that's what he's asking for, or maybe try to, you know, see see how free agency plays out with him? I think they're going to wait see how it plays out. Um, you know, when I think max player, you got to be able to go both ways. Collins hasn't shown me that he's an elite defender. Um, you know, obviously he can do anything on the offensive end. Um, he's and every year he's added a new weapon. You know, he added the three ball. He's gotten to be a better passer. He could always dunk and jump out of the gym. But he's got to put the same effort in on the defensive side and really pick that up to be a max player. I think it's an ego thing. Um, you know, the Hawks didn't offer him very far from the max, and he turned it down. Um, if the Hawks are winning games and he's having a good time and loving it on the team, you know, maybe the hometown discount kicks in and he decides that he doesn't have to be a max. Because I'm not sure that – there's a lot of teams out there that are going to be willing to throw max money at him. And if Atlanta trades him, I don't think they get value back right now. I mean, you know, 20 and 10 players that are under 25 aren't a dime a dozen in the league. So I, I'd roll, <clears throat> roll with it, see if you can keep him happy, particularly if they go on into a deep playoff run. You know, he says he loves Atlanta. So maybe we finally get lucky and have a star player stick around. It's a great city. They all NBA players all love to live here. They just don't seem to like to sign and play here. 
Yeah, we'll definitely see. I think kind of anchoring him to Trey Young, um, having those two stars on your roster, that might help out a little bit instead of just, you know, everything is on John Collins and he has to do everything. So that brings me to the Trey Young conversation. The biggest question I think fans and media and everybody alike is trying to figure out is, can Trey Young be the number one player on a championship team or is he more of, you know, He's always going to put up his stats and he's going to be in the playoffs probably every year, but he might be a first or second round exit and never really get over the hump as the number one guy. What's your assessment so far? Do you think he can grow into being a player on both sides of the ball that can be a number one guy? I mean, he can barely drink. So, uh, yeah, he can definitely get better. Um, You know, I remember this exact same conversations about Steph. People kind of have kind of forgotten about all the questions about, oh, is he big enough? Oh, can he play defense? Can he, you know, can he hold his position? Well, yeah, he got, he got just strong enough to play defense and got just crafty enough to play and use his speed and not try to get as physical. And, you know, he's maybe the best shooter of all time. Um, I don't think Trey will ever be, you know, a step level shooter, but he's going to be an elite shooter. Um, I think Rondo's a great pickup because he knows all the little crafty ways to play really good defense as a smaller guard. And uh, maybe he can put a little bit of dog into Trey, make him actually put in just enough effort on the offensive end. Um, you know, Atlanta's shown if they're on, they just simply overwhelm you this year. I mean, dropping 140 on people. So if they can get a little bit of defense out of him, um, I think Dunn's going to help. They'll have an actual stopper on the perimeter. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, some people think he's just a chucker that's going to get his numbers. But lots of players were chuckers until they put that ring on, and then they were championship leaders. So um, people forget how young he is. Like I said, he, you know, he just started being able to get into bars legally. So, you know, yes, he can put on size. Yes, he can improve as a defender. And he's already, you know, I think the second best point guard in the East. So, yeah, there's kind of a Trey Young conversation going around the NBA today, um, the past few days, uh, with this new crafty little move he's kind of pioneered with backing into the defenders. Do you see that as kind of crafty and being smart enough as a small guy to just kind of take advantage of what's there and get to the free throw line? Because obviously he shoots well from the free throw line. Or do you think refs are going to be looking out for this a little bit more that our coach that other coaches are drawing attention to, and he's not going to be able to use it as much. Uh, they'll probably have some, you know, coach whining, getting in the ref's ears, impact it. But, um, you know, I've always found that your average points per game have a direct correlation to the number of fouls you get called. And if Trey's dropping 30, yeah, he's going to keep getting that little nudge. Um, and if the refs are blowing the whistle, you know, is it the greatest basketball to watch? You know, probably not the most exciting style, but, you know, right now it's all about winning. And if you can get to the stripe and get those points, do it. So I think it'll come down some, but there's been other players that have had their little bump and move. Uh, I remember AI was real good at getting in there and drawing just enough contact to get the foul. You know, look at the uh, Curry. Uh, think about D Wade in that series against the Mavs. I think they actually stopped doing jump balls and let D Wade shoot free throws to start every game in that series because 
So if the if he's a, the face of a you know a team that looks like they're making deep playoff runs, the refs are going to give him that call. Yeah, some uh, fishy stuff going on in that Dwayne Wade Maverick series. I think the stat was he shot like 90 something free throws in the series compared to Dirk Nowitzki who shot like 20, 20 or 30. So yeah, some yeah. fishy stuff going on there. I'm not exactly sure, but definitely something fishy there. One, the last thing I want to talk about with this current Hawks team is you already mentioned him a lot, but Hunter and Reddish, th- those young wings. Um, what do you see from them? Are there any big weaknesses they need to improve, or is it just consistency as young players? Yeah, I really thought Reddish was going to be the breakout based on the way he closed last year. Um, you know, he did slide up to the two, so he's kind of playing in a different, a lot more space, trying to get comfortable with that. Uh, he needs to increase. He needs to get stronger, and he definitely needs to learn to play through contact better and to be able to use his length to attack the basket. Um, he's not that great at making his own shot yet. Uh, I would have said there were lots of things Hunter needed to work on until I watched him play this year, and he's pretty complete. Uh, he's the, been the best defender on the floor. He's rebounding. Um, he's shooting right under 40% from three. He has gotten stronger, so um, you know I did not think Hunter was going to be the breakout one, but I'm will not be shocked if he's most improved player for the NBA this year. Um, particularly considering the huge jump from you know his he was so hot, cold, looked confused at times uh, that uh, the game has slowed down, and you know he's putting up like he was the player he was at Virginia. So um, really really impressed with Hunter. I mean, if he gets just a little bit of improvement, you would almost have a big three there with Collins. You got Trey and then two Fords that are both doing nearly 20 and 10. Again, everybody's under 25. Not a bad situation to be in. Yeah, though they're definitely going to be good for a few years to come. The big problem is going to come, obviously, when they have to pay all these guys. You're probably not going to be able to keep all of them, but keeping as many of them as possible. Um, maybe if you get a good championship run or Eastern Conference Finals run in there, that'll make people want to stay around a little bit more. And that reminds me of one last role player that I saw. I remember I saw it on, it was either the first or second game for the Atlanta Hawks. And I I keep up with the NBA. I know most of the names. I watch a lot of college basketball as well. But I saw this guy's name and I said, I have no idea who this guy is. He could be an accountant. He could be a banker. I've never heard of this guy. Nathan Knight. What, tell me about that guy. What, what's he look like so far? I've seen him put up some numbers. He's been playing some key minutes for the Hawks. Where did he come from? What do you think of him so far? Um, he was a, I think he's a 10-day pickup. Uh, he was a two-way player with the Skyhawks. Uh, looks like he got a shot and took it, man. Um, I really want him to get more minutes. Um, Bruno Fernando has shown me nothing, but he's good for six hard fouls and some boneheaded plays. Um, he just, I don't know if Fernando is going to make it in the NBA. Um, definitely more. I see more of a D league. So I, I would like to see Knight get those minutes. Um, I'm really curious, you know, that first game he went off for put up that quick 14. So uh, he could be a steal. Um, I, I've given up screaming and yelling about Travis Linick. I've just decided he knows more about basketball than me. So I was furious about the Trey Young trade. I thought I gave up too much to get Hunter. They found Collins at 19. He found Herter at 19. So, I mean, he's got an eye. So maybe they do have a – I think he could definitely be a contributing player. 
in a rotation. Um, but I certainly didn't think he could drop 14 like he did that first night. So I hope he keeps getting more minutes. Um, and that's going to be the big question for the Hawks across the board is who gets the minutes. I mean, they got a lot of players that, and you only have so many seconds on the clock for every game. So I uh, hope he doesn't get squeezed out. But yeah, I think Bruno needs to go to the back of the bench and let, uh, night, but show us what he can actually be because if yeah he can consistently do that, um, you know Capella then becomes somebody you might even be able to move for an asset. Yeah, a lot of coaching in the NBA is just figuring out that rotation, like you said, especially with a team like the Hawks where they're not exactly top heavy. They've got a lot of guys that can contribute and making sure they all get minutes, making sure they're all happy every. Every mouth is fed there. It's really important. If the Hawks don't make the playoffs this year, do you think Lloyd Pierce is gone? Is this the end of his run in Atlanta? Yeah. yeah he's, he's canned if he, does, if he doesn't make the playoffs. Uh, the owner didn't break out the checkbook like he did to sign players. And uh, Schlenner did not go out and bring in Galadari and Bogdanovich to be in the lottery. Um, we, got to, we already have two picks uh the youth movement's over um you know, i think the hawks have picked their players these are the guys they're going to run with and yeah anything but a playoff appearance is going to be a failure of a season and pierce is gone and i don't think the hawks will have a hard time finding another coach that wants to come in and uh you know every nba coach has got an ego and he's going to see all that talent and a superstar and think oh yeah i can win with those guys so yeah, and I'm not real happy with Pierce. Like I talked about earlier, I think his coaching in the second half, his clock management, uh, enforcing shot selection, and keeping a handle on Trey, he has not done a real great job the last two games. So I'm really curious to see what happens with Charlotte tonight. Um, he needs to show he's ready to effectively coach a team that is not a bunch of raw rookies learning to play, but actual NBA players looking to uh, establish a winning culture and a winning basketball philosophy. So he was hyped as a player developer. Let's, you know, put up or shut up time now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like you said, even if for whatever reason the Hawks fall down the stretch and can't keep up the good play, maybe deal with some injuries and they end up letting go Lloyd Pierce. There'll be plenty of coaches, I'm sure, willing to step in there day one and install their system and try to get them back to the playoffs, kind of like Doc Rivers came from the Clippers and now he's with the Sixers. He didn't have to do a lot of coaching, coaching. He just had to sure up some things, you know, be that player developer, be that voice for the players that they needed to hear that change in voice. So maybe that's something we're looking at for the Hawks next year. We will see. Um, break the heart of Doc came home. Yeah. It would be nice to see Doc Rivers back in Atlanta, but Philadelphia is kind of lighting it up right now. So I'm not sure if he'll be leaving there anytime soon, but you never know. You never know. My last segment I have for you here, I've got two for you. Can you give me one team or player or coach or anything that you have stock up on and then one you have stock down on? Uh, if I was going stock up, I can't believe these words are about to come out of my mouth. But uh, right now, the Knicks, um, Barrett and uh, is looking really, really good. And Randall has been a beast. So, um, you know, I've made a living out of making Nick jokes on sites like halftime for a long time. But um, right now I have to say maybe stock up on the Knicks and uh, 
Nuggets and the Raptors. I'm I'm full on sell on the Raptors. I, they were the team I had picked to fall out of the playoffs this year. I'm feeling pretty prescient on that one. Um, and then if if I had a hold, it'd actually probably be the Hawks because I just want to see what they look like when they have all their pieces. Um, you know, did not think they would be this banged up with only you know a handful of games. And like you said, you rattled off five six names of guys who've already missed time. So. Yeah, I agree with you on the Raptors there. Uh, I was, I'll admit, uh, hand up, I was totally wrong on them. I thought they had the infrastructure in place. And after what they did last year, finishing second, I thought for sure they're going to have a, at least be in the playoffs, probably in that four or five seed. But they have totally just kind of fell off there. And then my last question for you, unload a hot take on me. What's the hottest right. take you have right now? Uh, first one. Knicks, Cavs, and Hawks, not in the lottery, in the playoffs. And then I'll do an Atlanta-specific one. Atlanta cleans up on the end-of-the-year awards. Trey gets the MVP. Hunter gets most improved. Gallinari gets six-man. Shalina gets executive of the year. And hell, we'll throw it in. Collins wins the dunk contest. So maybe a first-round first exit, but a lot of hard work coming to Atlanta in the postseason. Hey, that's a good season for Atlanta Hawks fans right there. Did you have anything you wanted to plug before I let you go here? Uh, no, man. Uh, y'all are just doing an awesome job. I really appreciate the chance to come on and talk with you. Um, the site's amazing. It's a breath of fresh air to be able to talk to intelligent sports fans that don't scream and yell and cuss and, and sling just dirt and shade on everybody and call you an idiot for having an opinion. So you know, I love the site. Love the podcast coming on. Uh, just keep up the good work. Really appreciate you letting me come on and talk some, talk some Hawks hoops with you. Of course. Yeah, no problem. It's a great time to be a Hawks fan. It's a great time to be an NBA fan in general. So I thank you for coming on with us, and I'm going to go ahead and let you go. Cool, man. Appreciate it. You need to secure possessions, and you also need to make sure that you're keeping this Hawks team off the free throw line. Oh, that's a man's jam. John Collins. Hey, now, what's going on, everybody? Reggie Lewis, 35, is in the building. Gather round. It's time for the halftime speech. I want to talk to you today about the curious case of the overrated player. Allow me to repeat that. The curious case of the overrated player. The definition of the word value is as follows. The regard that something is held to deserve, the importance, worth, or usefulness of something. When talking about a player and whether or not they are overrated, we often don't take their overall value into consideration. Instead, we look at them through our eyes and pay no attention to their actual role on the team. For example, you can get a big man, a center. He averaged 10 points, 20 rebounds, two blocks a game. And when his contract time comes and he gets 20 million per, there are cries that he is somehow overrated. I would like to introduce you to a new word. Intangibles. I-N-T-A-N-G-I-B-L-E-S. Intangibles. Simply put, it is an asset. Now, in the same way that Stephen Curry has changed the way we look at point guards, athletic big men change the way we look at the center position. However... The job, the actual 
main job of a big man is to protect the rim at all costs and grab rebounds. Anything else is a plus. That means if that man can average 18 rebounds a game and he can get you 10 points, that's a plus. Dude is doing what he's supposed to. Each player in the National Basketball Association has an intrinsic quality about them that attracted a scout, GM, head coach, hell opponent, etc. And as long as they do that which they are skilled at, they are never overrated. What they do for a team or how they go about doing it cannot be measured by mere numbers. It is measured in the effect it has on the team on the floor and in the locker room. If you choose to turn a blind eye to it, you will never know its effect and you won't appreciate it in the future as you will always be searching for more when they give you everything they have. Not necessarily what you want on a daily basis. Let me repeat that. They give you everything they have not necessarily what you want. So if 18 rebounds a game and 10 points is what they have, but you want 25 and 20, that's not their fault. They are giving you everything they have on a daily basis. I'm gonna leave you with this. And when I say leave you, I mean as far as this part, is concerned. I'm going to leave you with this. If you do not know and or recognize the intangibles, remember that word? I-N-T-A-N-G-I-B-L-E-S. If you do not know and or recognize the intangibles a player brings, be it on your team or otherwise, how can you properly assess their value? How can you properly assess their value if you don't recognize what they bring to the table? That's in life, relationships, sports. You cannot effectively argue that a player is overrated and you don't even know what they bring each and every night. Just remember that. Now, the other part of the halftime speech is me going back in time and mentioning somebody that doesn't get a lot of run for whatever reason. And in this particular segment, I want to take this opportunity to talk to you about a man who is rarely mentioned when talking about great power forwards slash centers. Because we do Timmy, a.k.a. Big fundamentals. We do KG, a.k.a. the big ticket. And the other usual suspects, Kareem, Hakeem, Mr. Russell, Wilt the Still, Diesel, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing. The list goes on and on. I'm going to throw in Chief because I'm a Celtics fan. But I want to talk to you about a guy who should always be in that conversation, not just because he accomplished a feat that is rare, but because he was legitimately a big man, a great big man. He was 6'11". He was a seven-time All-Star. 
He was a two-time All-Defensive First Team member. He was a three-time All-Defensive Second Team member. He is one of the 50 greatest in NBA history. His number is retired by two franchises. He averaged 15 points per game, exactly 15 points per game, 15.0 points per game, 15.0 rebounds per game, and 2.7 assists per game in his career. Not blocks, assists. 15, 15, and 2.7. And he's a big man, 6'11". He once grabbed over 40 rebounds in a game. He once had 18 rebounds in a quarter. 18 rebounds. Some guys don't average that. This man had 18 rebounds in a quarter. And that's not necessarily the same night he had 40 plus rebounds. He had 18 rebounds in a quarter. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar called him the toughest defender he ever faced. Now, Kareem played 416 years. So for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who played 637 years, to say that this man was the toughest defender he ever faced, it says a lot about how good of a player he was. He averaged 21.3 and 22 rebounds per game in back-to-back seasons. Let me repeat that. He averaged 21.3 and 22 rebounds per game in back-to-back seasons. My man played from 1963 to 1967. He played for the Golden State Warriors. He played for the Chicago Bulls. And he played for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He is a member of the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. And he is Nate Thurman. This has been your halftime speech for the day, boys and girls. Y'all be easy, and I'll holler at y'all again. Now go out there and get them in the second half. Peace. There's big six foot 11 inch Nate Thurman. All right, folks. Well, that is going to do it for episode three of the Halftime Community Podcast. But before we go, we know we got to get into it. Everybody's coming here for it. Everybody wants to know who is the greatest player of all time? Who is the GOAT? football you've got Tom Brady in soccer you've got probably a Ronaldo or something like that there's a lot of Ronaldos running around in basketball who is the GOAT so we have our usual suspects we have Michael Jordan we have LeBron James we have Bill Russell we have Wilt Chamberlain Magic Johnson Larry Bird who is the GOAT well I've got another name for you guys somebody has inserted themselves into this conversation and that would be John Wall John Wall came out and said he is the greatest shot blocking point guard of all time. I'm not sure how important that is for a point guard, but he said it and we're gonna go with it. He's the greatest shot blocking point guard of all time. Does that merit him being in the GOAT conversation? I don't know. Let's get into it right now. Let's look at some stats. Let's look at some stories. Let's see who's the greatest of all time.
to find it right now. Oh, sorry guys, that's the outro music. I gotta go. Maybe next episode, episode four, I really think we're gonna get into the debate. We're finally gonna settle it. Who is the greatest basketball player of all time? Peace and love, baby. Thank you.